the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 560, The Answer. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed, and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. You've tuned into Black and Right. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. And leading that revolution are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. Good afternoon. Welcome to Black and Right. I am Charles Love. John is in the Witness Protection Program. Okay, uh, well, he's probably out uh, enjoying the most wonderful time of the year. Um, I'm excited about today's show. We are um, kind of getting back to the, the swing of things and back to what we normally do. We've uh, been a while, last couple of weeks, talking about the most you know topics in the news, the that's the breaking news and the biggest headlines. But I want to get back to just taking a theme and kind of picking it apart and uh, spending some time discussing it. And that's what we're going to do today. And um, I think you'll find this today really interesting. We're going to talk about religion, but not necessarily in the sense that you would think, not uh, a religious course or scripture or things of that nature. Although everything is free game and will come in. But if you listen to the show regularly, you know, Me specifically, I talk a lot about the culture and I talk about how I think um, things are declining and um, we're moving away from traditional values and it is becoming more and more detrimental to the uh, country. So, I mean, I write about that. I talk about that in a book and I want to talk about that today. Uh, and And I look at it and say, well, if I am noticing a dramatic shift and how we live and how we think and where we go with things, what do religious leaders think? So that's what I want to find out from the horse's mouth, as they say. Um, I want to um, interview some religious leaders and talk to them about what they think, if anything, is their duty to um, social and cultural issues. Uh, if they should speak out about it. And um, if so, how exactly do they do it? Um, Now, I don't want this to be a political conversation, although it may come in based on uh, the guest. If the guest opens the door, I'm fine with that. But I'm not talking about, I want to be clear, make sure you understand, I'm not talking about uh, political parties or uh, particular candidates. Uh, It's more about the issues. There are some overriding issues and cultural shifts that are happening uh, in the country. And I want to get a take um, on those who who preach the word, who study it on a regular day. I mean, we all should as Christians, but those who are who who went to college and understand it and and learn from um, the uh, scholars and, and, and live in this area and breathe it every day when they see that, how they how they react to it and how it affects what they do. Um, 
So that's kind of how I want to uh, approach that. And um, I got a lot of people coming on. We're fortunate enough to talk to uh, a rabbi. We have a Muslim leader, a couple, Christian leaders with different views. So it's going to be um, hopefully uh, educational and eye-opening, but you'll get to hear what um, varying groups think as an um you know, both from the different religions, but also, you know, different sects within it. And, um, you know, find out how they approach this, you know, really heavy and weighty issue. Uh, so I want to get right to it. I want to start with my first guest. He is the uh, pastor of the Addison Street Community Church. I have to make sure I focus on, uh, emphasize on that church or uh, I'll be laughed at. Uh, this is the church that my wife and I and son, this is where we attend and uh he is just uh, a phenomenal lead pastor. He definitely um, is guided by the word. And um, I think he can bring, bring great insight to this uh, conversation. So I want to welcome Will Pereja to the show. Will, welcome to the show. Welcome to Black and Right. Thank you, Charles. And uh, happy to be here. Well, this is awesome. Um, I, I, I'm going to keep you over for the next segment so we don't have to just jump right to the end. So I guess I should start with... Um, the foundation of the whole uh, topic of the show is do religious leaders have a responsibility and a duty to talk about the cultural issues that we face? Yes, we absolutely do have that responsibility. Um, obviously religious leaders are going to approach it from their uh, own traditions um, and not just traditions, uh, but their texts that I assume will drive their traditions. So being that we are created beings um, that live in zip codes and among nations and borders and boundaries, um, we are cultured people, um, and therefore we are not immune or neutral to the uh, stimuli around us, um, and therefore um, all of us have a responsibility to the societies that we live in, um, regardless of religion, actually. Uh, so, yes, religious leaders should speak into the cultural issues of the day and uh, definitely should influence uh, their parishioners, followers, whatever they are called, um, to um, to influence the culture for sure. Okay, um, I, I'm going to ask you the next question, but just kind of check your phone. Your phone's kind of going in and out. You, it's like you're you're you're. It's a clicking sound and it's going away. And I want it to be really clear. Just you know, we'll see how it sounds out on the next question. But how do you do that? I mean, obviously, my, the assumption would be that it makes that a lot more difficult. Because we in society, everything is so polarized, at least today, and so politicized. So, like I said on the onset, I'm not talking about this from a political standpoint, but obviously some of those things are, are woven together. So it's important to talk about those things, but how do you do that when everyone is coming from such a, a, a hostile place and they have the, they have their antenna up and they're already ready to pounce on anything that you say that may be, you know, may go against their, uh, their feelings or their beliefs. Yeah, I think we get, 
and I can call in if this gets. Uh, I can call in from a landline if that's better. Well, so, like you know, I said, I'm you're doing the next segment. We got three minutes here. You can call back after the break. Let's do that. Sure, sure. Well, we could. Um, so, yeah, he said it, it sounds pretty rough. We're going to go to break, and then you can call me back from the landline. Sounds great. All right, let's do that. We'll be right back on Black and Right on AM five sixty. The answer. This is Black and Right on AM560 with John Anthony and Charles Love. Welcome back to Black and Right. I'm Charles, and I'm back here with Will Pereja, the pastor of the Addison Street Community Church. And uh, I think we have him on the landline, and he's nice and clear. Will, say something to me. Yep, I am here. And, uh, and ready the, to answer your question. And the clicking is gone. Do I need to say it again, or do you remember? I think I was asking you, how do you, because, you know, somebody may have just joined us after the break. I was asking you how you uh, get the message out with everything being so polarizing and people making things political when the issue, the issues are important, but that doesn't mean that it's political. So how do you do that? Right. I would say, and I don't think any of our other guests are going to disagree, but I think we should remember that all the time, that it's people over positions so or perspectives. Mm-hmm. So we have to remember that aside from our very important closely held beliefs, uh, that many of which we would die for, that at the, at the fundamental base, we are all people. And as a Christian, you know, I say we're all created in the image of God. And so we bear the image of God, and we are like each other, no matter how polarizing our views may be. So I think sometimes we get into fights, um, political or social, we often check the, the core conviction that I'm talking to somebody else who's a human being, who, who needs to be treated like a human being, not treat people like they they are the essence only of their belief system, but that they are much more than just a somebody like a canister that can be labeled a belief. Right. You know. So I think we lose that even before we enter conversations because we just love our we love our positions more than we love people. Okay. Um, what about the issues though? You know, like so. All right, let's get to so. A few months ago, I'm listening to your sermon, and I ended up reaching out to you about that. I took some notes, and you said that grace, not culture, is the foundation of all fellowship. And, I'm, you know, obviously I'm saying, hey, I'm talking about the culture all the time. It's kind of like my wheelhouse. So I'm like, you know, are you saying I'm wrong? Or are you saying that there's uh, a way to approach this that is... Um, that will reach people and get the point across, but still maintain your Christian integrity. So I, I say that because at some point you have to get to these, you know, the brass tacks. You have to get to actual issues. So you are preaching the word and you're going out into the community and you're doing your fellowship. You're doing your charity. You're doing all the things that you have to do. And these things come up. So how do you address, say, an illegal immigration issue? Or how do you address, you know, uh, these issues when 
you don't want to you want to be clear and stick to your convictions, but still find a way to communicate what those beliefs are. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people, regardless of positions, are driven by fear. And when we get fearful, and I just read this somewhere earlier today, when we get fearful, what we tend to do is we tend to get angry mm-hmm. because we don't know what to do. So we imagine losing whatever it is that causes fear. And then one of the resulting emotions is, is anger. And so that's why anger is so just ridden in our, in our conversations. But, um, yeah, we get down to the brass tacks. I think we definitely should hold to our positions, but I think what often happens, I can speak really only as a, as a Christian, mm-hmm. um, is sometimes we expect we're not secure in our positions uh, from being based on, on the Word of God, on the Bible, so we need somebody else to come and explain them or champion the cause, and then the rest of us are like, yeah, what he said or what she said. They said it better, so we're going to rally around that person or personality and what they, whatever they say about an issue, we're going to go with them because they most closely hold to what I believe. They articulate it better than I can, and so I'm going with him. And then we start, Christians especially are being, I, get, I guess, pigeonholed into um, uh, certain ideologies or, or being labeled as one thing or another because I, I think there are many Christians who can't actually articulate what they believe and why they believe it. So I think it's a matter of the church teaching its people why they believe what they believe. And what's even more important is teaching the, the people in the pews how to respond when somebody disagrees or doesn't hold the same belief. So could I make a case for you know, a certain flavor of immigration position? I suppose so, but unless the Bible, which is my book, unless the Bible goes there in any given Sunday, I don't go there. Mm-hmm. So I do not use the Bible, and I assume our other friends on uh, guests on, on the show don't use their holy books uh, as launching pads for their own opinions. I mean, if they do, that's, you know, that's up to them, and maybe we can debate that. But I, don't, I try not to say more than what the Bible says or less than what the Bible says. I try to bring it to bear on the issues of the day. And so, like I think I've told you before, I'm not out to prove a political position on any given Sunday. Mm-hmm. But if it steps on a Republican toe, I'll, I'll go there. If it steps on a Democratic toe, I'll go there. If the moderate, you know, feels a little uncomfortable... Okay, fine. I'm not trying to let you guess where I am politically. I'm not there to represent me in my political position. I'm trying to stand there and tell you, thus says the Lord, his opinion matters more than anything. Oh, <laughs> that's so. a perfect seg- segue to my next question, though. And I think that's uh, what needs to be done. But so obviously we're not talking about the other guests on the show. We're just talking, you know, macro in general. So you uh-huh. talk about that. You, you said, I'm not going to, you shouldn't be able to get my political views from this. It's all about uh, the word and what it says. And, I'm, and that's what I'm preaching. So what do we say about those religious leaders who, because you talked earlier about the image and how Christians are pigeonholed. Uh, a lot of it is because we're flawed and it's the way the Christians act. But a lot of it is 
those religious leaders. We have religious leaders who call themselves um, Christians and pastors. They they operate and, and go out in, in the world with that title, but the way they act and what they say and what they do may be uh, may not really truly reflect what uh, Christianity is. Or for some, they may go as far as just the thing you're saying you try not to do. They either cherry pick things mm-hmm. or they try to change what the word says. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? What is your message to those abstract, not specific, but what is your message to those religious leaders who are doing that? And how do Christians combat that? Cause that is what in sometimes shifts and, and, and develops the image that people have the non-Christians have of Christians. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a great question, and I guess my, my my initial answer is that all perceived exaggerations, overemphases, even can I say abuses of Christian doctrine and teaching are going to come from an overrealized or underdeveloped teaching from Scripture. So, and and everyone everyone invokes Jesus as the model, and he is the model. And, you know, they'll, they'll say, you know, Jesus was a, a justice warrior, and you will see Jesus in the Gospels, the, biography of, the biographies of Jesus, championing the cause of the vulnerable, mm-hmm. definitely. And, but then it all becomes about that. And then you'll have other people on the other perspective, you know, using Jesus as an example of another position, and they said they, they'll invoke Jesus as that. And here at the core is that there's an, a misunderstanding of the person and work of Jesus Christ, what he came to do, and who he is. And in conjunction with that, I would be telling my fellow religious leaders, I would be challenging them, I guess I would put it, is, are you sure you, where do you get that from the Bible, and are you getting it from a a deeper, broader understanding of the whole Bible. Because just like anything, we tend to, um, I guess we just tend to exaggerate things that we may not understand as much. If I can give this illustration. Mm -hmm. Fifteen years ago, my brother, my younger brother, was on a reality TV show on Fox. It was called The First Great Champer. The Next Great Champ is a boxing show, and my brother was a professional boxer. And he got this opportunity to, to be on the show, and they filmed it because of who he was and the way he was on the show. He wasn't an actor. He was a boxer. He was just totally throwing their scripts off. So they finished filming the show, and when they got to the end, my brother made it into the final rounds. They taped two endings, one with him losing and one with him winning. He had actually won, (laughs) but in the end, when Fox ran it, and their ratings weren't that good, it was during the World Series that year, they took it to cable, they showed the ending that, that showed him losing. Or we'd be watching, and he says, I didn't say that. Well, he actually did say that at some point. It's just that the producers um, took clips to make him say what they wanted him to say. Right. And I, say, I share that story to say that, and shame on us, religious leaders, we often do the same thing with the Word of God, the, our holy book. Mm-hmm. And we get people who come to us every Sunday expecting to hear from us, which is to say 
from God, and then we give them our opinions. We give them our cherry pickings. And so I would just be challenging my fellow religious leaders on how they use their holy books and if they're using it consistently. You know, so none of us are going to be perfectly consistent. So we have to come to the table with a measure of humility, knowing that I could be wrong on some things right. and open to, open to changing. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I speak within my own tradition, and right. there's a lot I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot I'm w- really convinced of. Okay. And uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, see, we're almost up here. I told you the time would go by fast. I want to, I guess the last question I just want to ask you is, do you think that um, there is a distinction, because we get this a lot in the country today, between people who, because, you know, they still say, even though I think the culture is shifting, that 70% of the people identify as religious or Christian. So how do we allow people an opportunity to, to, to understand the difference between people who identify as and people who live as. Well, that's a... Uh, In seconds. <laughs> yeah. All right. Ask them, what's your authority? Mm-hmm. Who said? Who get, who, what's the bar to say, who, to say that you're that? So if we're our own authorities, then we clearly can identify as anything i can identify as a snail tomorrow based on my own authority well we 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 reached the music already uh thank you very much he is uh pastor will Perea from the addison street community church uh go and listen to him he preaches the word he does a great job it's like uh praise worship and bible study all at once you're listening to black and right on am 560 the answer now, more of Black and Right on AM560. Here are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right with John and Charles. I am Charles. John is changing a tire. Um, we've been talking about uh, religious leaders and their role in social and cultural issues. And I want to bring on my next guest here. Um, he is Cesar LaFleur an ordained pastor, the executive director of the Beloved Community Development Coalition, and he has the Chicago Cure Clergy Network Group. Caesar, welcome to Black and Right. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Glad to be here. It's awesome to have you. So I don't know if you've been listening. We, you know, we can unpack a lot of stuff. Um, you know, the past I had on before, it's where I go. I like the fact that he's like, I'm all Bible and it go, I go where it takes me and we don't want to get into politics, but that's what I got you and the guest after you to talk about. So, because okay. <laughs> I know where you two lean. So, I mean, let's talk about some specific issues. So, well, first let me start. I still want to start with that baseline question. So tell me, <laughs> I'm asking you a question. I know the answer to So I'm going to change it a bit. I know you think religious leaders have an obligation to speak out because you do, but how have you seen, since you do, how have you seen the reaction in the general community? So not necessarily when you're in, 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 in um, friendly confines, but when you go out and you speak, you, you, you speak about the word, but you also talk about the issues that concern you. How, what type of pushback do you get and how do you uh, combat that? Well, one of the things we can expect is whenever we're speaking the truth, uh, when we have a society that's uh, more aligned with uh, with the lie because they have been taken captive by the lie. The enemy is a liar, the father of the lie. So there is a resistance to the truth. 
but we have a obligation. We have a responsibility. In fact, in the Bible, this was asked, why did he come? He said, for this reason, I came for this reason. I was sent to testify to the truth. And it's the truth that sets people free. Mm-hmm. So even though we have a society that's resistant to the truth, they're tolerant of everything else except the truth. We still have a responsibility to speak the truth in love, to not be afraid, to not be timid. The Bible says we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. We have a solid foundation from which to draw uh, our opinions. And so we have a responsibility to speak it, even when it's not convenient. Okay, let me uh, not necessarily push back a bit, but like kind of like I was saying okay. to, to Will. Um, so you go out and you, you're preaching the truth. But as c- culture changes, right, the way people act and behave and the way they accept things changes, too. So the question is, do you even though the message is changing, I'm not saying that. And I know that there are uh, religious leaders out there like this. And and I challenge them for sure. But I'm not saying mm-hmm. your message should change because the Bible is the Bible. But do you find right. yourself or do you see uh, with the other pastors you work work with? You have a network of the people that you meet that they tend to have to get creative in how they put the message on the spoon to get people to take it now, as opposed to, you know, 15 years ago, you could do X. But now today it becomes an issue because, you know, people are more sensitive or people are more partisan or whatever the case may be. Does that make it more difficult? I understand. So, Mm -hmm. so here's one thing. This is not a surprise because we've told in the Bible that a day would come when people would not endure sound doctrine. Mm -hmm. But also we have the example of the apostle Paul who said that, yeah, we have to be able to speak to people based on where they are. You know, we have to have an approach that fits the environment where we're in. Mm -hmm. There's some things that people are probably more uh, familiar with. You know, Jesus did that. He spoke, when he spoke in parables, he spoke to things and he used things that people in that era uh, in that area would be familiar with, mm-hmm. you know, when he used agricultural illustrations in, in, in the par- parables to be able to speak to people who understood that. When he spoke to Jews, he spoke to them based on what Jewish customs were. So, yeah, we do have to be wise, you know, and we have to ask for the Holy Spirit to give us the insight on how to approach a subject. Mm-hmm. But you absolutely were uh, correct when you said the truth does not change. Right. Neither does our responsibility to speak the truth change simply because society is changing their positions. The only thing that's immutable is God. God does not change. And so even though our tactics, uh, you might have to adjust. Uh, I like what the, the, the previous guest spoke about, is that even when we look at people, we got to recognize that our battle is not with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness. And so basically we have to look at people and understand that a lot of times they are victims. Uh, we are here to try to deliberate them through the truth. And so our issue is not with them. So we need to find a way to reach them. We need to find a way to speak the truth in love, to demonstrate the truth mm-hmm. in love in such a way that it becomes something that they see that's applicable to themselves. And, and, and therefore we have transformational change. Okay. So um, the other thing is that... Um People obviously are resistant to the message. I mean, it's not that part obviously isn't new, mm-hmm. but you have these um, pastors who, okay, let's ask this. So why is it, why do you think many pastors are silent? Let's start with that. Why do you think many of them are silent on these issues? That's the first question. Well, I have to be careful here because one of the things I try to avoid is speaking for anyone else. Now, one of the things that I, I've noticed, one of the things I've thought as a negative against many 
pastors with, you know, identified as pastors today who have seen this obligation to keep the organization going is that a lot of times they won't speak on subjects from their pulpit that they think that their congregation might be resistant to because they don't want to run people off. They don't want people to leave their churches because you take these solid positions on issues that I really think have a place in the pulpit. For instance, like I'm a pro-life uh, uh, advocate, right. and I really think that the pastors need to be speaking about the issue of abortion from their pulpits. Mm-hmm. But sometimes there's some issues that are so provocative and there's so much volatility around them uh, in society that we tend to run away from those issues because we're afraid of what it might do to people sitting in our churches. We we damper the truth down sometimes, the challenge that we need to be making to people in our churches because we're afraid of offending them and running them off. One of the things I always remind my brothers is, first of all, you can't be afraid of losing them because they don't belong to you anyway. These You are just the overseer of God's sheep. Uh, the sheep belong to him, but we're supposed to be good overseers, good shepherds. That is killer. That's what I think is important for people to hear. Um, we're coming up to the break. Hold on for us, Caesar. Uh, you're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. Back in a moment. We now return to Black and Right on AM560. Here are Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. We're talking about religious leaders and their role in uh, social and cultural issues. Caesar was awesome. We're going to try to get him back. We wanted to at least finish with him and let him plug whatever it is that he's doing. Uh, right now, we have uh, our next guest, uh, Reverend Alvin Bibbs. He's the pastor and the president and CEO of the Justice Journey Alliance. Uh, pastor Bibbs, welcome to Black and Right. Thank you, Charles. It's delighted to uh, be a part of the program. I know you got a small window. You're on into something else briefly. Uh, but does that mean you haven't had an opportunity to listen to anything we've been talking about so far? Uh, very little. Very little, for sure. Very little. Okay, so uh, I'll just toss it to you and let you go. I want to know what you feel, religious leaders, as a religious leader, what your role is or others uh, in the cultural and social issues we face. Do you have a... Uh, uh, an obligation to speak out against the things that you disagree with and for the things that you do agree with? Well, first and foremost, Charles, I'm, I'm a firm believer that religious leaders and the local church provides the, the cultural and moral compass for our cities, our nations, and the world. And I believe there is a very important strategic role that religious leaders have in speaking um, the truth and guiding people accordingly in order to really live out the values that we embrace as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. And so uh, definitely in the midst of all of that, there is there is no separation from my vantage point in regards to what the Word of God is really calling us to do and to be about at the end of the day. There's no, no separation whatsoever. We all know that cultural intelligence uh, really matters. Leadership matters. Okay. And we need to have more bold and courageous religious leaders that really understand their role mm-hmm. and to be more outspoken 
about the things that matter to God and, and matter to his people. I like that. So so why do you think, or do maybe you don't, but I think it's the case, why do you think so many pastors and other religious leaders don't speak out about what's going on? Well, I think a huge part of it, Charles, to be very uh, frank and honest with you, is fear of the potential loss of losing parishioners, those that are sitting in the pews of their churches, mm-hmm. because uh, many of our churches and our leaders have been compromised politically, uh, socially, and therefore we we live in this false sort of space in regards to what uh, a church and its leaders really should be about. Mm-hmm. And there's a fear of folks actually voting with their seats and their resources and their influence and leaving a particular uh, flock uh, behind. And so therefore we lead out of a premise and based of clear fear versus a boldness and a directive of force from God in guiding those that are connected to the various religious um, communities across the nation. So uh, you have an organization, as introduced, the uh, Justice Journey Alliance. Can you tell the uh, listeners about that organization? Yes, our primary vision as an organization is clearly to reach an ever-increasing population that is divided by race and injustice. We, we hear it very clearly in Scripture, in Isaiah, says the Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one, absolutely no one, and he was appalled that there was no one to intervene. And so when we look at the issues of justice in our society, it just breaks the heart of God that is what is taking place in our world today. So when you look at the Justice Journey Alliance, we're trying to mobilize advocates for justice and racial equality while at the same time growing mutually in our understanding of the issues that divide us by working together for the common good of all of God's people. Mm-hmm. And we, we do this in a variety of different ways. We have various venues, what we call the Justice Conversations, where we're in partnership with a, a wonderful, wonderful foundation and establishment here in the city of Chicago called Lou Malinati's Pizza. And so we, we offer these two-hour formats where people come together to have an authentic conversation, Charles, about the issue of equality. Okay, let me ask you something real quick, because I know you got to go, and we have short time. So you talk about equality, and earlier you mentioned something about race relations. How does that play into the fact that if you're talking about equality, see, when I hear that, it's kind of an interesting buzzword, because what does equality mean? I mean... Everybody has a different idea of what equality is, and it seems like today this, the social justice warriors that we see that are active in the culture are trying to even things out from where things were uneven before by giving one group more things than the other in, in hopes that it evens out from what, what, what it was in years past. So it's not really, so, but what they're asking for is not really equality, it's more you know, justifiable inequality. So how does that play a part in what you're talking about? Well, at the end of the day, it's really about equity. And so how, how do we balance the playing field? Uh, you know, one of the values I think is very important within our society today, we have to talk more about economic inclusion and equality. We shy away from that conversation with the quickness because at that point it's an opportunity for people actually to be a better steward and share what God has given them within the various platforms we're within our churches be within the, the, our corporations, our higher education institutions. Well, I even hear within the, the music coming up behind you. Uh, 
But thank you, Pastor Bibbs. We uh, that is the uh, Justice Journey Alliance. He's with uh, to look him up. We will have to talk again. You're listening to Black and Right. This is Black and Right on AM five sixty with Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right. John and Charles. I am Charles. John is in the control room uh, bringing up the calls. Um, Wrong. <laughs> I've got to figure out what he's doing at some point. Uh, well, man, the last two guests, I wish I had more time. Uh, uh, one had to go and the other we, uh, was coming up against the break. But um, I wish I had an opportunity to talk more. It's definitely with Alvin because... Uh, I really like what he was saying about the Bible and not being afraid to speak what he believes and, and stand on the word. But then I was kind of uh, confused by the part that uh, where he got into the race and the equality and the equity. And when I pushed back on equality, he shifted to equity. Uh, that started to make him sound a little bit like the social justice warriors I debate, because a lot of times they, they, they like to shift what they're talking about. Equity and equality are not the same thing. So, I'm willing to have a conversation about either one, but when you move from one to the other, I don't know which one you're talking about because he's right. If he's trying to get equity, but he's not right. If he's trying to get equality, right? Because you can't take from one to give to the other to make it equal. Cause that's not, you know, the same thing. Well, they hit out there, but you know, give us a call at three, one, two, six, four, two, 5,600. If you want to get in on this conversation, uh, then we're only halfway there. We're going to come back on the back end. And uh, keep this going and talk to some more religious leaders and bring up some more, uh, you know, scratch deeper and go deeper into this uh, topic. Um, but right now we have Daniel from uh, Salem, Wisconsin on hold. And uh, let's find out what Daniel wants to talk about. Daniel, well, welcome to Black and Right. Yes. Hi, brother. How are you? It's Daniel DeRose. Hey, Daniel. How are you? I know you wanted to talk I'll- to Caesar. He's gone, but I still want to hear what you uh, had to say. Well, I would like to say this, is that in Samuel 1, uh, 17, when David slayed Goliath, it said in verse 40, and he took his staff in his hand, and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. And put them in his shepherd's radio. Uh, time is uh, really important. Well, <laughs> you got to speak a little like faster. Share, what I would like to share is that a lot of times we walk over those smooth stones. We don't see them. The blessing is in the smooth stones that David seen that slayed the Goliath. The giant in our life that's before us. We are victims because we walk over the blessing. Thank you. Um, Daniel, uh, thank you for that. Uh, I, I don't know what Caesar was supposed to say to that. I mean, you know, generally it's better when you have a deliberate, you know, specific point or a question. But I mean, I appreciate you listening and, and thank you for your call. Um, Wow, that, that he, he brought us almost to the break. But again, Are you not again um, the topic is uh, 
multi-layered and really heavy. I think it's important. There's uh, obviously different avenues you can take. And we have all these religious leaders in many cases who are reading the same word. They are listening to the words of Jesus and, t- and, and finding different ways to decipher it. But while you trying to, you know, think about that and, and decide where you want to go with that, the next hour we're going to talk to people who are religious leaders from different religions. Uh, so we'll see what they have to say and how the culture affects what they believe. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed, and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. You've tuned into Black and Right. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. And leading that revolution are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. I am Charles Love. John Anthony's making enchiladas. Well, welcome to the second hour of the show. We are talking about religious leaders and their role and duties to the culture and social issues. And now uh, we're going to continue the talk going, and I'm going to bring on my rabbi. He's my rabbi because he's the only rabbi I have in the phone. He is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan. I'll take it. You'll take it? Jonathan Gay, Greenberg. Jonathan is the example. Let me see if I can find your bona fides here. He's a, uh, tell him, what, 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 you're the executive director of what again? Tell him. The Jack, the Jack Miller Freedom Initiative. Yes. I work for uh, Jack Miller, who's the founder and uh, retired CEO of Quill Corporation, the office supply company. Yep. Uh, so welcome to the show, and let's Thanks. talk about uh, the roles in the culture. So you've been listening to the show because you've been blowing my phone up. So I know <laughs> that you've been paying attention to what's going on. So what are your thoughts so far? So I, I, I actually I find that I agree with uh, a, a lot of what's been said, even the, the more um, uh, social justice-inclined uh, pastor that you had on. Um, and I think where the disagreement comes in, and, and I think what – clergy have to be really, really careful about. Um, and your first uh, guest, uh, the pastor, said it really, really well when, when he said that you have to make sure that you're not commingling your opinions with text, which is really hard for most people to do. And so where you're telling me that I have an individual responsibility or our congregation has a congregational responsibility or our religious community has a communal responsibility to take care of the poor, the widow, the orphan, I'm going to totally agree with that, right? Where you're using that as a justification for a massive federal welfare state, well, that's a little bit different, and I don't think that's re- religiously reasonable. Right. I, I totally, I say that all the time. I say, because a lot of time, I mean, you know, I won't say either's better or worse, but it's just kind of different approach, because obviously, you know, Judaism is a little bit different from the Christianity approach, where, you know, they're the ones that, that go out and, and spread the gospel. So they're, we're, we're told to go out and, and, and convert and talk to people, which is a little different. But beyond that, they're referencing the New Testament, right? So they're always yeah. talking about, like the other pastor said, Jesus said. And I, like you, I agree with you. Yes, Jesus said that we should take care of the poor. There should be charity. We should help our brother. We should help our fellow man. But he did not yep. say, take your money and give 30% of your income to Caesar. And then Caesar right. will give it to that poor lady. And therefore, you're exactly. giving charity. I say, right. in fact, I 
at that point, you're not giving charity. Exactly. It isn't charity at all. And I would, I would argue that the parts of the book of Isaiah and the book of Jeremiah and other places where we're told um, in the Jewish Bible, what you call the Old Testament, mm-hmm. uh, where we're told uh, to take care of the vulnerable people in our society, we're told that both for their sake and for ours. It's a test for us. When the government puts a gun to your head and says, give me taxes, that's not a test for you. <laughs> that's exactly true. Um... The one thing, another thing I want to say that's, you know, differently, you know, from the standpoint of being, you know, a rabbi, how that approach is different because you have to, I mean, granted, every religion has different sex, sex. I'm not going to say that that doesn't happen anywhere else, but you have like these kind of defined lines, right? You got orthodox, you got conservative, you have the reform, and I guess you would compare them to be like these, not even social justice world, but the really left Christians that say, well, the Bible is just like a book of nice poetry that I read sometimes right. when I want to feel good. So it's all different. Right. So, but, but the difference is Christianity is the majority religion in the country. So people understand that there are Mormons and there are Jehovah's Witnesses and there's this. But people, right. but when they look at Jews, they, they say Jews. Jews are Jews. And they think it's all the same. So how does that differentiate? Because we look at it politically, even though I don't want to make this about politics, but they say, well, just like they say, blacks all do this when they vote. And they say Jews do this. But it kind of varies based on, you know, how they practice and what they believe, right? Yeah, I think there's some, I think there's some, uh, a mirroring of what goes on in the Christian community, because if you are a churchgoer, if you go to church a particular number of times a month, you're more likely to be a, politi- a particular political persuasion. And I think the same thing is generally true in the Jewish community. If you're someone who goes to synagogue regularly, um, you're probably more likely to have a, a particular worldview that you know reads out this a particular way in politics. I, I'm a political conservative. But my, the, the movement that ordained me is very liberal. I'm, I was ordained by the Reform Movement, oh, okay. mm-hmm. um, which just had its, its biennial convention here in Chicago this past week. And, I mean, it's crazy liberal, mm-hmm. like crazy liberal. Uh, and everything that they do is justified through selective quotation mm-hmm. of text. Yeah, uh, and it's very selective. I, mm-hmm. I actually had a professor whose, uh, whose own philosophy professor taught him uh, that instead of proof text, we should call those things pretexts. Uh, because you're just you're you're picking at your cherry picking text uh, to suit your own politics, right? Which which if you do that, everybody can do that, right? You know, it's, yeah, it's, you know, that's why Shakespeare said the devil can quote scripture for his purpose, right? Yeah. So, um, but what do you think? Uh, well, it's it's you know obviously try to stay in the vein, obviously of the conversation, because of course, if you're politically conservative, you already have your your opinions, of course. But if someone is a religious leader and and people come to them to learn and I am teaching you the Torah and it says something about things that are, if you look at what's happening today, you can just look and say, that's totally opposite of what it says here in the scripture. Why is it that not, you know, such a small percentage of people actually speak out against it regardless? Because we're not talking about because of X, because the Bible says this and people are doing this. Go vote for that guy. But I'm just saying, right. do you come out and say, OK, this is wrong. Where do you stand on, you know, like the other guy was saying about race relations or, you know, it could be legislative because I know some pastors. Fortunately, I didn't know what anybody was going to say today and none of them said it. But I know some pastors. I was like, no, we should just be out of politics altogether. I was waiting for one of you to say that. Why did you say that? Because my question was going to be what happens when the legislator is deciding that um, he wants to pass a law? 
that restricts or impedes on your religious practice? Do you speak right. up there? At some point, you have to speak up, right? Didn't one I, of the, I, uh, yes, I, and I, I think there are some issues that rise to the level of a moral obligation mm-hmm. for clergy to have a role in policy. Right. I, would th- I would actually argue that the civil rights movement is a perfect example of a, 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 a situation where there is such an overwhelming moral obligation for people to stand up and take a stand, mm-hmm. and, and where there's clearly a biblical imperative for you know, equality of people. Um, those kind of issues are really rare. So if you're doing that on capital gains taxes, you have a problem. <laughs> so the, maybe once in a generation, once in a couple of generations, issues come along. Slavery would have been another example. Clergy should have taken a stand on slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and quite a few clergy took the wrong stand on slavery. Mm-hmm. But, the, but those issues are very rare. So if you're using your moral position in the community all the time to take positions on issues, I think you really need to reassess uh, the way you look at, at the Bible. Well, oh, that's a very good point. I, you know, I didn't think about putting that that way, but you're right. They, they make everything a, a, a monumental religious decision. Like, you know, if you don't stop wearing fur, <laughs> you know, you know, right. like you could be for the environment because the you know, Bible says you should be a good steward. But, right. but the, the people who are the extreme environmentalists don't say be a good steward. They say animals and people and plants are equal. Right. right. So, you know, it's, it's that it's kind of the what extreme you're at, which is the case. So I think that, you know, you make a good point and it's important. I don't know how we get uh, more people to speak up when they need to. Or, or OK, how about this? Are there any current social or cultural issues that you think rises to that level? Because I can read off a list of things that people that social justice warriors say. They'll say LGBT, marriage and education, income inequality, illegal immigration, rape, relation, yeah. abortion. All those things rise to the level on one side. So what right. are the cultural issues today that rise to that level? So I don't think there are any. The, um, the, at least not that I can think of off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that almost, the wonderful thing about Judaism is that Jewish law touches virtually every aspect of a person's daily life. Mm-hmm. So Everything could be seen through the lens of Jewish law. Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it should be to the point of my own personal behavior and my community's behavior. When it comes to me imposing that view on you, you don't share my interest in Jewish law. I don't want to impose Jewish law on you. Jews shouldn't want to impose Jewish law on mm-hmm. other people because that makes us susceptible to the vast majority of people imposing their religious beliefs on us. We shouldn't want to do that. Right. So uh, to me, uh, almost nothing rises to that level because we have to be really careful about getting involved in, uh, in political issues. Now, does that mean that those things shouldn't be talked about as moral issues? Of course not, but they should be talked about as they pertain to the individual and to the congregation and to the religious movement. Wow, that's good. So um, before we go, is there anything you want to plug or anything you want to leave us with as we come up to the break? Uh, no, just uh, everybody have a Merry Christmas or a Happy Hanukkah or a whatever you're celebrating and a Happy New Year. Well, thanks to you. Thank you very much, <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Greenberg. Uh, this has been a, a, a that was a great segment, a great show, and we're going to keep it going. Coming up, we will talk to the leader of the reform movement. Uh, you're listening to Black and Right on AM five sixty, The Answer. And now more of Black and Right on AM five sixty. Here are your hosts, John Anthony and Charles Love. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM five sixty, The Answer. 
continuing our two-hour theme and trek through uh, religious leaders, uh, giving us their uh, views on the culture and social issues and how they should be addressed. Um, I am really excited about our next guest. Um, he's going to give us the the lowdown on uh, what um, the Muslim movement should be and what is going on and how they are addressing the issues that are going on today. Our next guest is Dr. Zudi Jasser. He's a cardiologist and retired naval officer, the president of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, and co-founder of the Muslim Reform Movement. Dr. Jasser, welcome to Black and Right. Oh, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, I don't know if you've been listening. I know you were going to be busy earlier, but, you know, we've had different uh, religious leaders from different views and different religions talking about whether they should be involved in what's going on and pushing back. And I know that your answer is yes, because you're already active. Uh, so I want to start off by allowing you to tell the people what the uh, American Islamic Forum for Democracy does. Well, we were formed after 2000 and after 9-11, and uh, it's basically on the inspiration of my life's work, which is the fight against political Islam as a Muslim that loves my faith and was uh, raised by two parents that escaped persecution in Syria in the late 60s and came here in order to be able to practice their their own interpretation of Islam that was not encumbered by a military dictatorship as with the Assad regime or by uh, radical Islamists of the Muslim Brotherhood or other theocrats that have plagued the Muslim world for so long. And uh, ultimately, after 9-11, I said, you know, many of us got together and said, you know, we need to treat the disease, not just treat the symptom. And terrorism is a symptom. Militancy and fundamentalism is a symptom of a bigger problem, which is the where, where Islam is in its history right now. And our mission at the American Islamic Forum is to we believe that the protection of the U.S. Constitution and freedom and liberty can only be done as Muslims through the separation of mosque and state, and that ultimately the Jeffersonian principles of of uh, prevention and, and working against the establishment of a religion is really the, the most pious thing a believer can do, which is uh, that uh, liberty, uh, unencumbered by a, a church or a mosque or, or an organized establishment of a theocrat, theocratic establishment that wants to tell you how to practice your faith is the best way to do that. And this is what terrorism is, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, all these organizations that are militants and the, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and others, they're Sharia supremacists that believe that their interpretation of Islam is the only way, and that the only way we're going to stop jihad globally is to fight against their inspiration. Their inspiration is to create Islamic states. So we as Muslims at the American Islamic Forum believe that it's time to put the Islamic State, not only the Islamic State of ISIS, but all Islamic states into the dustbin of history, and that this is the major Cold War that we have now, and that allow we as Muslims to believe in an American concept, which is the separation of mosque and state. Well, and I think that's uh, really important, and you do great work, and I know that you have become the authority that we go to whenever there are attacks. And uh, I'm going to talk about that in a moment and get back to the um, political Islam, as you call it. But for, for a brief moment, I want to take a break and talk. And I understand because I read the mission that you just read. Uh, you talk about the separation of mosque and state. And I understand that and not pushing an um, religious ideology, ideology on the citizens. But at some point, those founding principles you're trying to protect you know, we're based on certain principles and values and traditions. And I think that 
today that the culture and society that we're living in is, is moving away from the, the, the premise and the foundation that we were founded on. So would you agree that that is happening? And what do you think we should do about that? So talking about how the social justice warriors are taking control of the narrative in the country. Oh, absolutely. Europe is a prime example why radical Islam is worse there, because their secularism is hyper-secularism. France's laissez-faire policies that uh, Jews can't wear a, a, a kippah, the, the Christian community can't wear a cross. All of the, the antipathy towards religion is actually a good way to allow the theocrats to separate Muslims out and, and uh, begin. This is why uh, the Islamists have been much more powerful. So the United States, I'm not... We, I'm very religious and orthodox in my beliefs. I don't want to take my faith ideas out of my politics, but I do believe the establishment is the problem, the Islamic establishment. The leadership running our mosques are, are corrupt. They're, they're involved in global uh, apologetics for Turkey's Erdogan, Saudi Arabia's government, and others, and they need to start owning up to a genuine need for reform, a, a, an advancement to the Uniform, Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and I think the, the, the Lockean approach, if you will, that the West went through is not one that's anti-Christianity. It's actually the fact that Christians became much closer to their faith when the Church stopped telling them which version to practice. Wow, that's really that's powerful. I mean, we just need to play that back over and over again because that's really important. What we find is so many people are so focused on not establishing a religion, which is important, right, that they go overboard and they just want to suppress all religions, and what you just said is key and really important. I also want to know if you noticed this. I find it interesting because I kind of call myself a left whisperer, so I kind of listen and watch what they say and try to decipher uh, what's going on. I find it interesting that, obviously, there's there's theological differences between the religions, the major religions, but they have very similar views on morality, on, you know, a lot of the social issues that these people are pushing for, you know, but you know, they, they have no problem with looking at what they consider radical, right? A radical evangelical who's racist and, and stubborn and won't change their ways and denouncing them and, and, and piling on and saying we have to stop them. They're very silent on Judaism, but they have a really interesting take on Islam, right? Those who, who are radical, not only do they not call it out, but in some ways, they have a weird way of almost condoning it because they, they don't condone it. They don't say the behavior is bad, but they excuse it and then go beyond excusing it that if someone says, and I don't know if you get attacked the, the same way being Muslims, but I know if a Christian or someone else says, we need to do something about radical Islam, they call you an Islamophobe and they say, you are against Muslims because you're against the radicals. So don't you find it odd? And why do you think that is, that they think that... Uh, um, you know, the evangelicals, bad, but radical, and they're radicals, but radical Muslims, not so bad. I mean, you know, who are we to get in the way of their religion, but they don't have a problem with getting away in the way of other religion? Well, Charles, it's a bigotry of low expectations. It is, <laughs> the Muslims are, are useful for them as a minority checkbox to say that they protect us from the awful right that's, that's anti-Muslim, etc. So all they want to use us for is, the left wants to use us for the political partisanship of protecting the minority group. They don't care what happens internally. Perfect example is here locally. This radical imam came to raise money for mosques at the central leadership in here in Phoenix, Arizona, at multiple mosques, including a school. We put out a press release two weeks ago saying Siraj Wahaj has a son that just had a terrorist cell in New Mexico a year ago. 
He's uh, called for the end of America, is, is an advocate for Erdogan's uh, Muslim Brotherhood groups, etc. And then our mosque similarly had an imam in Scottsdale that was, that was fired a year ago, and it turns out he was a sexual predator, was, had multiple complaints from women. And I talked to media, I said, if this was a Catholic priest, you guys would have been all over this story, but you're ignoring it because for some reason the women at the mosque don't seem to matter to you guys because you're worried about being called Islamophobes. So we're constantly faced with this, and I have to tell you, it's a bigotry. It, it is, you know, when, when Obama uh, sort of uh, knelt at the, at the altar of the Iran deal and handed over Syria and all these things, it's like Muslim countries don't matter as much uh, as long as they stay peaceful. We don't care what happens internally there. And this is the issue, is there's always a different standard, and at the end of the day, it's because there's what's this called, what I call the red-green axis, where there's this axis of cooperation we see at the UN and elsewhere between the left socialists, uh, the, 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 the red, if you will, and the green, which are the Islamists. And their main focus is whatever it takes to knock down America's power, Israel's power, and our influence in the advancement of freedom and liberty. That's all they care about. Everything else is simply an instrument to get to that end. Wow. Um, that's a great place to leave it. I know you got to go. Is there anything you need to plug before you go? Because people need to know about you and know that what you're working on. Yeah, we have a lot of projects going on in counter-radicalization, counter-ideology. Follow us at our website at AIF, as in forum, AIFdemocracy.org. Follow me on Twitter at Dr. Zudi Jasser, D-R-Z-U-H-D-I Jasser. And our website of our reform movement is MuslimReformMovement.org, which has a lot of other leaders. It's not just me. Uh, left and right, it's a bipartisan effort uh, in Canada, Europe, and the United States of reformers against political Islam. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Zudi Jasser. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. It's the show the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. It's Black and Right on AM560 with John Anthony and Charles Love. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. I'm Charles Love. John's not here today. He's doing some very dangerous and difficult work of rearranging his sock drawer. But we've been talking about religious leaders and their role in the uh, culture, how to speak about what's going on, and, um, you know, if they should speak out against the things that are issues, or should they promote certain things, and... uh, like I said, I don't think I uh, I, dis- I disappointed you. I delivered what I said, uh, mostly because I, the guests are the things. They did a great job of uh, breaking down the issues and how the problems that they face and how they address them. Um, whoa, looks like we have another caller on hold, but I don't have a topic. So maybe we should just go and uh, see what, um, which one, which one should I do? All right, fine, I'll do it. Uh, we're going to go to Anne, Anne from Chicago. Welcome to Black and Right. Hi, I'm listening to your show. It's very, it's very interesting. Uh, my comment is that uh, are we based, uh, the truthful set us free. Is that what we believe? We believe that. And Pilate asks Jesus, what is the truth? And we have the answer to what is the truth. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That, that's the truth that all men are created equal, that they are conceived by the creator to certain rights, liberty, and justice for all. But he didn't mean equality with the races. He meant equality, like 
Some people thought they were divine. Uh, either all people are divine or some people are divine. There's, there's no, some people are divine and others are not divine. That's not, that's not the way it is. Man is spirit. We're all divine. And uh, the truth will set us free. And the Muslims are not free. I don't know if the Jews are free or not. But he said, the rabbi said, that they don't want to in, uh, inflict their laws. On, we follow the Ten Commandments. That's their laws. So we have, Jesus gave us two laws. Love thy God and love thy neighbor as thyself. So what do we do? We, we forget the Ten Commandments or what? And Catholics have to have a court. But there's a rabbinical court. There's a Sharia court. And Catholics will have to have a court now for justice, social justice. Well, so thank you very much, Ed. You better go feed that hungry cat. Um, we are going to go. Now I have uh, on the line uh, Eric Wallace, another pastor. Maybe he wants to add something to the conversation or speak on uh, what, what's been said. Eric, welcome to Black and Right. Hey, Charles. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for taking my call. But I, I, You're I laughing at the cat. Help, but no, 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 I'm laughing that I'm calling you. I should be laying down in bed because I have a cold. See, that <laughs> means what we, the show must be interesting. <laughs> so I had to get up out of my bed of affliction, if you will. But look, I, I, I agreed uh, with majority of what the rabbi said until he started acting like we didn't have any moral. Uh, uh, we, we shouldn't uh, speak to, the, um, you know, to government. Mm-hmm. Um Note that there were no big moral issues right now, and I said, you know, the the, the reason we get a, a, a oppression in our society, the reason we had Jim Crow laws and all these other things, is because we didn't have righteous government. Well, um, I think he said the government government was too big and it's individual responsibility, not government. Well, he uh, he said there weren't any big um, moral oh, issues right. mm-hmm. these, these days, so right? So, what would you say and the I big said, moral said, issues are today? Oh, there's a lot of them. A lot of some of them are. Some of them are over, over taxation, as uh, you know. We know in the city of Chicago right now, or in the Chicago land, there are people who can't afford to stay in their houses because uh, property taxes are too high. That's a moral issue. Well, we gotta got to take the money, but but, but, the, but the government's saying they're taking the money because they need to use it for all these social programs. So technically, he's do, he's coming at it from a different way. He said, if the government wasn't trying to do what the individuals should have been doing, they wouldn't need to tax you out of your house to pay for what they shouldn't be doing. See, you two saying the same thing. Yeah, but he's actually so we don't have any any moral. Um, there's nothing that the church or the or the synagogue should be saying to to some of these issues. Mm-hmm. And I say there 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 is because we we uh, uh, if we look at um, the Ten Commandments, the the Tenth Commandment, Thou shalt not covet. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's exactly what Democrats are trying to do. Every time they look at the rich people and say, "Well, they need to be paying more." We need a bail. Well, Somebody coming. ring the bail. He's the first person to say DRR. He wins the chicken dinner. <laughs> Six guests. You're the first one to use the D or the R word. <laughs> I was going oh, so well me, not being political. I'm sorry, liberals. <laughs> liberals. Liberals want to go after all the money that people make. And and how is that a moral issue? Who gets to decide who, who who's making you know more than they should be making or how we need to share money with other folks, I think is how, how Alvin Bibbs uh, kinda couched it. Yeah. No, these these are these are moral issues and I and I one, one more scripture I want to give you is Nehemiah chapter 5. When Nehemiah goes back to fix the wall, he's, uh, 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 he's there and you have complaints in chapter 5 where right. people are coming to him saying, look, we're paying too much taxes. The, 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 uh, the king's taxes are too high. And our children are even gone into slavery now to help pay, pay our taxes. And our land doesn't even belong to us anymore. Mm-hmm. These are moral issues. And these are things that we need to um, be aware of and hold our, the people who represent us uh, federally and statewide, 
to be cognizant of. And the church and the synagogue and the mosque need to be involved and check our government because a lot of oppression goes on because there are unintended consequences with some of the laws that we that we put in place. Look, you made it all the way to the music. You didn't cough once. See, and you didn't <laughs> want to call in. Now you can go back to your bed of affliction and uh, and you won the won the won the prize for saying the D word. Uh, thanks for jo- giving us a call, Eric. Uh, you are listening to Black and Right on AM five sixty. The answer. Black and Right with John Anthony and Charles Love on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to Black and Right. I'm Charles. John is over there. He's just way down on the floor. You can't really see him. Stop the hammering. (laughs) Well, um, wow. So those were some uh, great guests and calls. Give us a call. 312-642-5600. 312-642-5600. If you want to comment on the uh, many guests we had talking about religion and the role in the culture. Um, I thought the show uh, would be um, important and the guests would have a lot of really interesting things to say. And they did. But I wanted them to get more into the issues, right? I wanted, I was trying to get them to say you know, specifically, this is what I think we should be talking about. I mean, Eric touched on it a bit, but I wanted him to say we need to talk about, you know, this. I think Eric mentioned taxes. Um, Caesar mentioned pro-life issues, so abortion. And Zudi mentioned, uh, obviously, the overarching beliefs, you know, both uh, pushing back against radical Islam, but uh, the social justice warriors in general. But I was hoping someone would give me um, some topic that they think that they need to address and how they would address it. I wanted to know, you know, talk about race relations. Alvin got into it a bit, but obviously he was on the other side of it and we didn't have enough time to go back and forth and debate it. But, you know, these are the topics that we hear about all the time, right? These are the topics that um, when you watch the news and when you listen to the left that they're always saying are so important. You know, George, I've got you know, George? a little touch here, right? Uh-huh. My old man was a pastor. Okay. And my grandpa and was a pastor. That, and, and, before and, that, and before that. And before that, before that. Um, I think one of the major issues facing these guys is, is if you're going to be up in the pulpit talking about things which maybe um, conflict with someone's lifestyle, whether that's, you know, something as, as overt as homosexuality or something so as covert as just not tithing or whatever it is, something they're doing in their lives, some emotion they have or, or a position they hold you really have to have ultimate credibility. And mm-hmm. I think some of the things facing this is a That's lack a of point, accountability run, yeah. uh-huh. for pastors. So we see that with like the Harvest Bap- or the Harvest uh, Bible Church or whatever it was. Uh, I can't even remember the name of it, um, where the one pastor was uh, accused of sexual misconduct. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, the one here in Illinois. Yeah, I think yeah. I got the name wrong, yeah. so I really apologize for that. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, there's... You just there's, threw some other pastor out of the There's butt. that. There's the spotlight thing with Catholic Church. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's many occurrences of these guys, um, maybe not... Not you know, and even vicariously, not through not through the, any action of their own, but just through sort right. of connotation the group, that the, right. yeah that that they maybe have lost some of that credibility. Yeah, that that could, yeah, you're right because if they think that uh, if the people because yeah, it's, a lot of times you're your own worst enemy. So yes. if if the people are secular and they were like, I brought up in religion, I didn't believe all that stuff, and they got something to point to, right? Like you know, 
that that is that is really you know the example and the visual is really important what they see and what they hear you know i used to work in in restaurants and i was a restaurant manager and when people would complain about the food and my server would come and tell me i'd say where's the plate and when they say you know so i can see what was wrong and they'll say it's still on the table i go no because i know when i go to that table that person's going to be pointing at that right (laughs) look at this right here i don't want them to have that visual right so it's the same thing they'll say well i was on the fence and i grew up in it i was on the fence but look at that guy look at those guys they right they want to point you're right in that dress they want to point at what the thing is and so yes that does play a part and it kind of weakens your ability to get the message out but I think a lot of it is silence. I think both of the pastors that said they're afraid of losing con- congregants is true. I think your point is true. It's it's a mix, but I wanted to hear what they thought about something. Like I would yeah. like to have had Caesars get more into the thing. Because if you say, you say, he said he's pro-life and that's what you think. Okay, but where's the line? So How, what, how hardcore is it? Right. Yeah. So I want to give an example. So you say LG, I was talking to a friend last night. So you say LGBT, right? So yeah. you say, now you may say, the Bible says it's wrong and I think it's wrong. So does that mean that when somebody asks you if it's wrong, you say, yeah, I think it's wrong and you move on? Or do you say or do you make somebody case? comes into church and you're like, get out, you're gay? Well, that, yeah, that right. would be so, an extreme example. Or do you say you come in and you're part of the family and we, we, we embrace you, but um, I'm not going to let you take a leadership role, right? Well, Where do you go? Right. Well, I think another part of that, too, is there's no evangelist who wants to lose someone's grasp on the entire uh, on the entire message of, of Jesus or, or, or whatever based on one issue, right? right? You don't want to lose somebody completely from the message just based on right. one aspect. But then we go to the other side. So you find the happy medium there. You let them in. It's Everybody's embraced. They don't feel ostracized. They can still be Christian. And then, and then the transgender issue come up. But now we're playing the law of averages and percentages. So now you're like, okay, so when the 14-year-old, 15-year-old boy is identifying as a girl, you still need to show him, show her compassion. Right. But then when but maybe she, not respect. But no. But then when she says, I want to be able to use the girl locker room and they're like, but the 47 girls that use the locker room right. aren't comfortable with that. So when does that one person's freedoms and rights supersede the other 47? But when that happens in the second school, in the third school, in the 15th school, at what point do you feel that you have to say something? Well, then it becomes institutionalized and then it becomes, again, the conversation of what role does religion or morality have in, in public policy? Yeah, so it's a difficult thing. You got to know when to say it, how to say it, where to say it, what because you can't die on every battle, right? So it's like, what hill are you going to die on, right? So you one pastor might say, you know, the pro-life issue. Another may say... Legalizing marijuana is a problem. Hopefully, a hill with a good view in case you're stuck there till uh, Judgment Day or something. So yeah, I I mean, I think that everybody did a phenomenal job, but I wanted them to kind of talk about those issues and and give them practical applications as to how you would address it, right? Because these things come up, and then what do you say? Um, Because it's it's in the ether now, and. If we don't do anything or say anything, it's going to continue to go in that direction. So silence is the worst thing. I know that for sure. And that's what we're getting. So, I mean, let's talk about that more. We'll come back to your calls. You're listening to Black and Right on AM 560, The Answer. Right continues on AM 560. Once again, here are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. 
Welcome back to Black and White on AM560, The Answer. I am Charles. John had to go feed Ann's cats. Um, That's a big job. A lot of cats. Uh, Before I go on, I think George has uh, Mia Copa for us all. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't defaming anyone's church. (laughs) I had said the word harvest. Uh, It was was Willow Creek that I was referring to. They had a pastor and uh, I think almost all of their elders stepped down. Uh, for mishandling the, the issue, but their pastor had some sort of uh, sexual misconduct issue. Yes, yes. So there's that. And then uh, I want to go to uh, Mike in Yorkville. And uh, Mark wants to talk about the culture war. Mike, welcome to Black and Right. Hey, Charles. How are you doing today? Fantastic. You? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm enjoying <laughs> the show. Um, Thanks. I just, uh, one of the questions that keep on going in my head as we keep on doing this idea of diversity and inclusion and. Um, the more and more we happen to see that our society is stepping away from spirituality, especially Christianity, and I would venture to ask a question to say, are we doing better as a society as we step more away from God, Christ, or even spirituality in any sense? Because from what I'm seeing as I view, granted it could be in a small box, I don't see it getting any better. Worse. It's getting worse. You're correct. And uh, the reason is, 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 is correct as well. We... The further we move away, the more lost we are. It is what it is. I mean, even the the honest, um, I'd say, agnostics or atheists will say that good religion still plays in a, a tremendous role in the society because anything that encourages you to do the right thing and to live uh, morally and treat people well is a good thing. And the more we move away from that, the more you know, separate we become, the more angry and, and, and bitter we become, we, we st- tend to go into our silos. And also, the, the more we move away from that, the more we start to focus on our own small version of, of happiness and, and, and right and wrong, right? Which is why people are saying, yeah, equality, I want equality, I want equity, but how do you get there? So no, you're talking about, that's why, keep in mind, the show is speaking specifically to religious leaders, so we all play a part and we all have a role, but I'm talking to the people who are leading other people who are supposedly, like especially Christians, preaching from the Bible. So you're going to tell me that you're preaching from the Bible and at no point in the Bible was there equality, and you think, what hubris does it take for you to think that you're going to create the equality that everyone including the god in in human form did not achieve but you're going to do that everybody's going to be equal because you're you're mandating that it happens it's not going to happen well i i disagree because i i'm commanded to love but i don't have to love people's sin but what part do you disagree with you disagree on the equality piece no Oh. We're all created equal by our, our creator. He yeah, but, but when he I say that you're not going to get equality, I'm, I mean in the sense that they're talking about, that we want everybody to have the exact same piece of pie with the same flavor on the same plate in the same place. That's what they're saying. No, you're, you, people are misunderstanding because I don't, that's where I believe that's the failure of not just religious leaders, but people's homes, their family, their parents. Life is not fair. Life has never been fair. Everybody gets dealt a different set of cards in life some people work harder and some people just happen to work and it works out mike guess what time moves fast you ended up you're going to end up being the guy to close the show thank you for your call um <laughs> yeah this was a powerful show we needed four hours to do it um but i appreciate all the guests i want to thank uh 
Pastor LaFleura, Pastor Pareja, uh, uh, Jonathan Greenberg, Dr. Wallace, Dr. Zudi Jasser, uh, did I miss anybody? Dr. Uh, Professor Bibbs, everybody, thank you for coming on. You made for a very a tremendously powerful and important and informative show. Uh, come back and check us out next week. Hopefully we can do it again. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer with Charles Love and John Anthony. And I'll let you know where he is uh, on the next segment. Have a great day.